Hello, and welcome back to the Best of Women's Fiction podcast. I'm Ashley Hasty, the book blogger behind HastyBookList.com, a college fashion and marketing instructor, an aspiring author working on a historical fiction manuscript, and as of November of last year, a new mom. This is my first season back following my maternity leave, and I'm very excited about the lineup of authors we have for you. Without further ado, let's see who's up next. In this episode, Diane Marie Brown and I chat about her novel, Black Candle Women, a book that was recently selected by Jenna Bush Hager on the Today Show as a Read with Jenna book club pick. You won't want to miss this book described as a warm and wry family drama with a magical twist about four generations of Black women, a family love curse, and the secrets they keep for and from each other over one very complicated year. Jenna Hager said, if you liked Practical Magic, you'll love this book. Hi, Diane. I am so happy to have you as a guest on the Best of Women's Fiction podcast. Right out of the gate, I have to ask, what was it like to learn your book was selected for Jenna Hager's book club? And how did you find out? Oh, my goodness. That was a huge surprise. And I'm still, I still, I think I'm still in shock. It's still very surreal that it was uh, selected, but I'm very grateful to read with Jenna and the whole team over there. It's been a long time. This past summer, I got an email from my editor who said she wanted to give me a call later on in the day. And she was just trying to find a time with my agent. And so I'm like, Oh my gosh, what could this be about? I thought it might be something bad, but she said nice news after. So I'm like, okay, I shouldn't be too worried. And she gave me a call and asked, you know, am I sitting down? Did I have any champagne? (laughs) And then proceeded to tell me uh, the great news. So it was really a, a big surprise. I was kind of at the point where I was just happy to be done with revisions and was kind of like just taking it easy for a little bit. And so that was um, really great news to hear. So you've known for almost almost a year? Since August. So okay. yeah. We had to keep it under wraps for a while. Yes, yes. Yeah. That was the hardest thing is just not being able to not being able to tell anyone. I told my husband, but <laughs> And yeah. did you celebrate with some champagne? I did. I was out of town visiting my my dad. I had already had plans to go out with friends for dinner. And so I just ordered champagne. They didn't, they ordered some too. They didn't know why <laughs> I wanted champagne. But uh, so uh, yeah, I was able to, to celebrate. And then I, I proceeded to celebrate many, many other times <laughs> for along the ways. Well, I got a little ahead of myself for that exciting news. Yeah. So let's take a step back. And how about you tell our listeners what Black Candle Women is about? Yes, I'd love to. Black Candle Women tells a story of a family of cursed women. Uh, so there's several generations of women living in the same house, but they live with under a curse that kills anyone that they fall in love with. And so this is something that they have to deal with head on when the youngest member of the family brings home a love interest for the first time, where we learn about the curse's origin put into place by a voodoo sorceress. Jenna compared it to practical magic, and there are some similarities with generations of women and a magical twist. But I want to know what inspired you to write this novel? What was that initial spark that made you think that's the story I want to tell? Yeah, so 
there was a writing prompt in my my grad uh, school program that I initially responded to that got the story going, um, started off as a short story. I wanted to imagine my ancestors. I I didn't really know my my grandparents. And so I've always just kind of imagined, you know, who they were, what they did, how they lived their lives, and just wonder about their influences on me and how, um, how I live my life, how that will influence my children. So just generational events that happen that make us into the beings that we are. And um, spending time in New Orleans when I was younger, my parents are both from there, so we would travel and spend time there. I learned about Marie Laveau, who is known as the voodoo queen of New Orleans. And I just make up stories. I was just like, well, what if I was related to her? And, you know, how might some of her magic and her wisdom and her skills, how would that manifest itself in me? generations later. And so that was kind of a curiosity I had. And I wanted to create a story that told something similar. So Marie Laveau is not really in the book, but there is a character that's similar that was who was inspired by her. I love asking authors how they became authors. Rarely do they have a very straightforward path. And I think I read that you started in public health. Is that correct? That's correct. And I still work in public health. Yes. Tell me a bit about your journey from public health professional to debut novelist. So, yes. So I've always loved to tell stories, always written stories in different forms. And I used to work, well, I still do, at um, a public health department that was relatively small, but we'd have a lot of fun. There was room for creative projects. And so back in the early, I think 2006 was its 100 year anniversary. And so they wanted to do something big. And so I was on the committee and this idea just developed to have a play about the 100th year history of the health department. And so uh, it kind of took off. So I wrote the play and directed it, produced it. It was so much fun. It was so amazing. People enjoyed it. And so I was like, well, I really want to, you know, stoke this creative side of me. And so that's when I made the decision to go to grad school to work on my craft and really think about writing as something that I could do as a career. So that's kind of the big step of how it started. I had done some other writing before that, but that I think that's what really compelled me to take writing a lot more seriously. And how would you compare your experience writing the play to writing a book? Were they similar? Was it, Were they equally fun or were there different challenges that you weren't expecting? Yes, equally fun. Um, a big difference in my approach was with the book, I, I wrote everything very isolated. I didn't, I didn't have a writing group. I didn't share the book ahead of time where with the play, I did some research with other people and then when we would do rehearsal, we would, whoever was in the play or people that I was working with, it was a group effort. So we would refine things, we would revisit things and rewrite things. And so it was very collaborative, which was, which was great. And I think that's why it got such a good reception. Working on the book, I was just, I guess, scared about what other people would say and which when you really think about it, you're writing something that you want to share with lots and lots of people. So you can't be scared to maybe show it off to a trusted few. So I think that's was kind of the big difference, but both, both equally fun, I would say. 
I did the same thing with my first book. I told no one that yes. I was attempting to do it, mostly because I was scared I wouldn't actually do it or I wouldn't finish it. So I didn't want anyone to know if I had failed. But definitely getting a community around you is can be very helpful. Yes, I would agree. Uh, tell us a little bit about your research, um, researching that time or uh, Meta Louveau. What was yeah. your research like and did you have any favorite sources? So, yes, I did quite a bit of research. Um, after I started writing some and I realized I wanted to have that 1950s New Orleans element. So I kind of, I didn't pause my writing, but I really focused a little bit more time on the research. So I found some books on voodoo and hoodoo that had some of that historical component in them. But I also read articles that were written in that time that described what New Orleans uh, looked like, what the French Quarter looked like and felt like, the type of music that was being played at that time, because I really wanted to have all my senses be involved in understanding and feeling um, New Orleans in the 1950s. And there is a, um, a woman who writes a lot about voodoo and hoodoo named Denise Alvarado. And so I did some research with some of her references. Also, Zora Neale Hurston, the author, did a lot of work on researching or taking down history doing a lot of anthropological research many years ago, and she's written a few books that have that historical element on hoodoo and voodoo. And so I, I read one of her books that is related as well. And also just, I hadn't visited New Orleans in a long time, but I was able to go back, I think it was in 2016, 2017, and just take pictures and just be there and, and walk around the streets. And so that was helpful as well. Was there any? Yeah, there were a few things. I think I am thinking of, I think there was this poem that I really, really liked that I wanted to include that had um, some elements of a spell that I thought was kind of cool. And just some some types of uh, spell work. At first, I didn't have very much. And then I added a lot. And then I had to, you know, ramp things down for word count, page count. I learned so much. And it was a lot of fun to research voodoo and voodoo. Drawing from your personal experience and the journey that led you to becoming the debut novelist, what one piece of, of advice do you think is most important for writers? I do think going back to what I was saying before about writing in isolation, I, I think it's incredibly helpful to find a trusted writing community, want to have people that will provide great information, advice, and support and encouragement. You do get a lot of um, discouraging news or it can be hard to uh, when you get so many no's and uh, you want that support around you. So finding people who understand you and your work, I think is really, really valuable. Something I wish I would have done if I would have had maybe two or three people that I would have shown my work to before who could have offered some advice or just some feedback. Luckily, I had a great editor who helped me work through a lot of things, but I think I could have worked through some issues with the manuscript ahead of time had I had a few people read it before it got to the point where it was with an agent and an editor. Authors always have the best reading suggestions. So I'd love to hear about your reading world. What are you reading right now and what books should we not pass up? Right now, I'm really enjoying um, 
Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by uh, Gabrielle Zevin. I am also reading a book called A Likely Story by Lee Abrahamson. Just came out last week, but I'm going to be doing a chat with her for one of her events. And so that's been a lot of fun. What else? Somebody I met in a debut author chat group because I felt that I read the description of her book and I thought it was similar in uh, tone and themes and kind of story to uh, Black Candle Woman is The Fortunes of Jaded Women by Carolyn Wynn. That also involves a curse. So I really enjoyed her book as well. I haven't heard of that one. I'll have to go look that one up. Emily, I want to share how people can find you. Will you give us your website and where you like to hang out on social media? Sure. I My website is dianemariebrown.com. And I am on Instagram at Diane underscore Marie underscore Brown. And I'm on Twitter and TikTok at uh, WriterDieChick, W-R-I-T-E-R-D-I-C-H-I-C-K. And before we wrap up, can you tell us anything about what you're working on now? I'm actually in the research phase of a book about a secret potion Um, I got the idea from watching uh, one of these reality cooking shows. It was about cocktails, and they talked about the ingredient chartreuse, chartreuse, which is, and so I just thought that was an interesting uh, fact that only two people know this this, um, recipe. And so I, it was inspired to come up with my own kind of secret recipe for something and um we'll we'll see we'll see where it's still in the very early stages but you know some bad stuff is going to happen and uh the secret will get out so oh i love that little fact about chartreuse i had no idea yeah yeah fascinating and i cannot wait to see how that inspires your next novel is there anything else you wanted to talk about that we haven't covered yet for for this book of mine i i started it over 10 years ago. And again, I got a lot of rejections early on. I couldn't couldn't find an agent, but I just kept working on it and revising it and trying to make it better because I really was passionate about it. And so I think it's important for people when they are passionate about something uh, not to give up, keep working at it and get some support and advice from other people. Writing dreams, they, they can come true even 10, 12 years later. So yes. Oh, I love hearing that. As someone who is as yet unpublished, that's really encouraging. I appreciate it. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and sharing your book, your experience, your advice as an author with our listeners. It was such a pleasure talking to you. It was great to talk to you as well, Ashley. For links to the books mentioned in this episode, the author's social media, and more, visit bestofwomensfiction.com. You can also see the video version of this same episode. I'd love it if you'd follow me on Instagram at Ashley Hasty. You can also subscribe to the podcast right here. And if you enjoy it, please share with your friends.